This is the Bob McCown Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. John Shannon, Darren Millard in for Bob this week. You know, there is something to be said about our prognostication of calling this goalie week. Because uh, in a few minutes, we're going to talk to a National Hockey League goalie. Got his first NHL victory this week in Montreal for the Tampa Bay Lightning, Matt Tompkins. Kind of cool. He was drafted 11 years ago, more than 4,100 days after he was drafted. He got his first victory in the NHL. So I I like stories like that, Darren. Uh, so we're going to talk to to Matt. But really, the thematic of goalie week continues even in Las Vegas, doesn't it? Let's be honest. Goalie week is always goalie week. You've it been is. busy all day. And uh, are you sore? Uh, no, no, don't, uh, don't touch a lot of pucks when I uh, get a chance to go out with the okay, guys. So, so explain what you've done and what so, you did. Uh, they just, uh, every now and then one of the goaltenders with the Vegas Golden Knights will take an option and won't skate. And I will get a call or a text from my, my good friend down in the dressing room, uh, Sean Burke. And they'll say, do you have your stuff here? And I always try and have my stuff around. And so I went out on the back. You, no, hold on. Uh, I practice. try to have my, I try to have my stuff here. It is in the back of your car every bleeping day that's wrong i leave it at the rink <laughs> in, in 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 a in a locker room that's rarely used so it's so it's always there because i don't like to carry my stuff around i just take my laundry to and from the rink so yeah no i i, I do uh i do plan uh for those types of situations and even though they kind of change it on the fly and they didn't really need me uh i went out and did some work at the end of practice what do you mean they didn't need you well they were did a lot of one end drill uh only with uh, with logan thompson and uh, he got a lot of work uh because uh, uh he hasn't played in a couple of games so uh, he he really dove in and he stopped 17 uh little two-on-ones two-on-os in a row uh we and you cheering. stopped how many uh, I was on the bench banging my stick. I didn't even go out on the <laughs> ice for the first half because I didn't want to get in the way. I told Joel Ward, the assistant coach, I'm going to sit over here so I don't get blamed for screwing up a drill. And then I went down <laughs> to the other end and uh, the guys just uh, did their different work that they want to do. And uh, if Marcia so breaks out tonight, I'm yeah. telling you, it's because of me. Marcia so or Brett Howden, if they are on the uh, the ice tonight for a bunch of goals, it's because of confidence that I built up. So basically, they blew a ton by you. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like, now, the, now, the, now, do you actually try to stuff. stop the puck? Do oh, you try I, to? Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you? But but it's crazy in the in the sense of they're so good. They, they were doing a drill with Marcheseau, and he had this uh, what what it serves as a, a a player screening you. It's this tripod out there with yeah. padding yeah. and players yeah. goalies will look try and look through it and but marshall used it as getting the puck through and i couldn't believe what he would he would feather that thing through the tripod and be able to go off the post and in and i just told him i said you're scoring on a good one here if you can keep that up tonight you'll have yourself a great game and then he looked Hold at me on. and went uh who who are you you're no no just than eight you, you, you called yourself a good one Good one, yeah. Well, because I had a, I had a like a pseudo defender out there, uh, so he's got to be two people. He's got to get it through the screen, and he's got to get by me. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to pull a Darren Millard question. Yeah, you ready? Yeah. What's your mask like? I have a great one uh, here. It's brand new. It uh, was uh, done uh, courtesy of uh, Dave Freed from Calgary, who does both yeah. Aiden and Logan's. But uh, uh, I was independent of that uh, through Ingle uh, Magazine. Uh, we got this done, and it's got a, a duck coming through the VGK logo and uh, and some cool things on the side. It's all VGK'd up, uh, but it's it's got my mallet right in the top, and then my uh, my girls on the back. It's it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie to you. I wish I had it here right now because I'd love to show it off to you. But it is—it's white based and it's got some really cool things to it. Next time, next time you're on, I'm going to remind you to bring your mask. Yeah, because it's, it's for the record, folks. That Darren and I have been talking uh, for years and years and years, and and we can have the most critical discussions going on in the world, and all Darren cares about is isn't that a cool mask the guy's got? It is so good. That's guy. That's guy. That's guy. That's guy's got a cool mask, and I'm trying to look at him. Yeah, well, could he stop the puck first? You know, <laughs> I mean, no, but his mask is cool. 
Dom Ducharme came by uh, today because I haven't skated since Dom joined the organization. He skated by and he said, uh, how much fun is, is this? I said, uh, it's good. He's like, good warm-up for tonight to, to, to be talking about the game. I said, Dom, I find I'm a, I'm a lot less critical of the goaltenders on days <laughs> that I do this. <laughs> hey, just out of curiosity, um, Aiden Hill and, and Logan Stanley, uh, one's a self Logan Thompson, sorry. Logan Stanley's a defenseman for right. Winnipeg. I got I got my Logans mixed up. I know it's uh it's hard when you're old. I know. Um different styles. You see different styles in them. They they both oh, yeah. they catch on different sides. They catch yeah. a, that's one's a southpaw, one isn't. Um one's way more um active in the goal. They both battle like crazy. That's one thing I will say about Aiden Hill is he when he is involved in a situation where it's not a clean save or a clean play, uh, he's blown me away with his ability to battle. And that paddle save in the Stanley Cup final is a great example right. of that. But there's there's uh, nightly where he does not give up on a puck. Uh, Logan's so he's flashy. he's more active. Uh, Logan's flashier. Uh, okay. Aiden's more of a, a controlled, uh, I guess, okay. blocker would be the term but when it doesn't go according to script he he is really really good at making things up on the fly and uh that that's a part of his game that i didn't see until i got to watch him a couple of times interesting i because they, they and they're both big guys you see that's the other thing right they're both big yeah. people so here's here's something and i haven't nailed this down yet but we had the conversation in the office the other day I've seen Aiden Hill listed at six foot six and six foot four. Okay. Why is that interesting? Well, if it's six foot four, he's the same height as Logan Thompson. But what makes it more interesting is if he's six foot six, he would be the tallest goaltender to ever win the Stanley Cup. But I don't know whether he's actually because Andre because Andre Vasilevsky's six foot four. Right. Yeah. But I don't know whether he's actually six foot. Six oh, or well, six foot I, but, four because he's. See, I've seen that's a good. Boat. That's a good idea for a, a little uh, morning thing with a tape measure. Yeah, I think get I a grow chart. Get a grow chart and have them stand <laughs> side by side and uh, get it. Yeah, and say pen. put the marker on, you know, and have some fun with it. That's what you got to have fun on television, you know. Well, you see, this is why I bring this up with you, and now I will do that. And if my boss gets mad at me, or George uh, is says <laughs> George uh, won't be mad at me. Then, then I'll say it was John's fault because George yeah. loves you. He yeah, well. uh, absolutely adores you. We talk about it when we go riding our bikes, and he is such a big fan of yours. I can say I can do anything and blame it on John, and then I'm, I get it. Yeah. I get but, it. But I, it well, that to me, that that, that that's a, a fascinating one because uh, the two guys put them back to back. Who's taller? I mean, if they're six, if one's six four and one's six four, then they're the same. If one's six six, then the other. Believe it or not, the guy's two inches taller. Yeah, there. that's that's my that's my Yogi Berra for the day. If, if the one's, guys if one's taller, if, if one's then he, one six four one six six, then one of them's taller. That's right. It's an open book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Hey, we got to take a break. Oh, we are okay. now on podcast. Yeah, Matt Tompkins coming up later, but uh, Darren and I are going to uh, talk about. Uh, what the heck is going on in the National Hockey League? The Edmonton Oilers can't win. The San Jose Sharks are on a streak. Uh, I don't know if you watched Brian Rust last night, Darren, where he scared wow. to score two overtime goals to win. But yeah. It was kind of cool. Uh, there was some uh, there was some great hockey and uh, and there's a Hall of Fame weekend that is already underway. Everybody got their rings today, so everybody's smiling. It'll be uh, fun to do. This is the McCowan Podcast. Darren and I will be back after this. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario 
at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Before we finish talking about uh, the Hall of Fame, because we won't talk about it next week, Dave Hodge is going to be on Monday. We're going to go back to basketball, or sorry, baseball, uh, because uh, the, the the general managers have been meeting in Scottsdale and stories on Alex Manoa and what's next for the Jays. Do they get Joey Votto? Do they want Joey Votto? There's some there's some good stories coming. Do you, um, want, do you want Joey Votto? I do. I want Joey Votto. I've always wanted Joey Votto. I, I think he'd be fantastic. I think that you know, if there's something missing on this team from a leadership perspective, from a gravitas perspective, I think Joey Votto would fill that void. And I think it would be just a fantastic story for the greatest player from Toronto to finish his career in Toronto, you know, in, in so many ways. I just think it would, would be play? remarkable. What? Toronto. No, but where would he play? What position? Uh, D- uh, DH. He could DH, he could play a little bit of first base, you know, he could just be around. I'm prepared to give up one of the 26 positions on the roster for Joey Votto. I really am. Just to be around. Yes, sir. This is, there's a few things that this team needs uh, and leadership is one of them. And I think Joey Votto would be good. Anyway, that's uh, another story for another day. I think you're being a little Uh, too sentimental. No, I'm not. This is a human game. Every we 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 have we have destroyed. That's that's a very interesting uh, accusation because I we have desensitized every aspect of professional sports because numbers are easier to talk to talk to and talk about. People play the games. People and emotion take over situations. I think that we it, it, it's so much easier uh, in 2023 to put blinders on and talk about analytics than it is to talk about what makes a person tick. And I think well, it's that, easier to uh, understand analytics, to be honest. No, it and isn't. No, no, I don't agree. I don't agree. Well, I, one's I right think... in front of you, and the other one you kind of got to get a feel for. Feel, you know, it's an amazing word. Feel. To have a feel for that situation, for that opportunity, and there's just not enough of it. I mean, look, listen to what Dick said yesterday about getting to know the players and and what they were and the stories they told, and yeah, um, and and th- that's a, a big part of our business in being able to tell stories. But I think people have gotten into the knack of just looking at numbers and think they're telling stories with numbers, and and they may be doing that, but they're not really. They're they're de- they're dehumanizing athletes in, in so many ways. You need to be honest. Uh, you know with what? You. Okay. What? Okay. Yeah. On the on the subject of being human and telling stories, you found out yesterday how Andre Richard got his number. No, no, Maurice. Maurice. Sorry, I got Henri was his I younger have, brother. I should just. There's the rocket right. and the pocket rocket. The pocket rocket. Uh, yeah. That's what we called Darren Shannon and Daryl Shannon when we played uh, pickup uh, hockey mm-hmm. in Newmarket. One was the rocket, one was a uh, pocket rocket. Uh, Darren was was the rocket. Anyway, uh, so... Uh, There's only one rocket. Maurice gets the number nine, and, and yes. you find out how he got that number in that great that story was cool. about Dick Yeah. How cool. many people have you told that story to since we got off the air yesterday? None, because really? I hope they listen to the podcast. Um, I, told, I told about eight people. I know you have, but but uh, you've been. Uh, I I don't go out anymore. You know, I'm kind of a semi hermit, so I don't need to talk to people. I've been showing um, off like crazy. <laughs> well, um, but that doesn't mean I won't tell the story at some point on television. <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean in the next five or six weeks when I'm on TV a bit more, I won't I won't be telling that story like I invented the story. You know, and by the way, I owe Dick an apology. I owe Dick an apology. We talked about Sil Apps wearing number nine, and it was not Sil Apps. I, I thought that. you were right on this. I thought you were right on this. It was Ted Kennedy. Hmm. It wasn't Sil Apps. It was Ted Kennedy. Kennedy came back for a, one more year at the end of his career, and they had already given 10 to George Armstrong, so he wore nine. And so I had my Appses mixed up with my Kennedys. So I owe Dick Irvin an apology. Hate it when the app jams up. 
I have too many apps. That's my problem. <laughs> hey, by the way, I, I'm going to do a blatant plug for your podcast. Uh, I sat down this afternoon and listened to Greg Cronin. You did a, a show with Greg Cronin. Mm-hmm. And for the first 20 minutes, I thought, yeah, it's good old coach speak. Uh, this is going where it normally goes about this and that. And then, holy smokes, talk about Barry in the lead. The last 15 minutes, Darren, and I'm not going to give it away. I just think people should go to the go to the chirp and 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 listen to it. The last 15 minutes of that podcast were as good an interview as I've heard in a long period of time, and the how giving Greg Cronin was of his life to you was to me mesmerizing. And I you had will... told me that it was a good interview, but you undersold it to me. It was I, really good. I just want to make the the point clear. I, I don't think that I had a lot to do with that interview. I think it was Greg felt comfortable in speaking to me and and had an unbelievable sharing conversation. Uh, it, it wasn't that I brought anything out of him. He felt... No, right you asked the right in, questions. ...in sharing that. And uh, yeah, it was... I, I said goodbye to him and looked around. I was all by myself in the studio. I went, that was that was really cool, different, unique. Well, I, I think he, I think probably, you know, we get lots of when we do interviews with guests on on this podcast, uh, we get comments back saying, "Hey, thanks for making me feel so comfortable. I had fun. I, I'd love to do it again." Uh, I can I can probably guess that Greg Cronin thought the same thing when he finished with you. Mm-hmm. He uh, he certainly volunteered. I wouldn't say that I pried stuff out of him. I yeah. I took the asked the questions like, did you ever think you would never get a job? And and he he followed through on that with some some cool thoughts, uh, and about uh, his his age and how he how he dealt with his players in the summer and was direct with them. Uh, my favorite line. I will I will share this with the listeners here. Press box parasite is something that I don't think I've ever heard as a saying before. No, but no. it it is it makes sense with the way Greg Cronin used it. Uh, I was surprised he said press box parasite and how people campaign for jobs, but it, that was one where if you could have saw my face was oh that that's some heat. Well, I'm 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 putting Cronin on our list to try to get. Actually, I'm going to try to get Pat for Beak first because I I I I know Pat better, and uh, I think Pat would be great to talk about the the change that they've made in their organization. But uh, I am going to try to get Greg on and, and ask him to define press box parasite. So that yeah. will be my first. That will be my first question. <laughs> that that looks to me like a, a great T-shirt. In my head, I'm like. Press box parasite. Yeah, <laughs> well, unfortunately, good. most of us can wear them. So <laughs> yeah, yeah would... <laughs> right. So uh, I, I was talking about uh, Brian Rust last yeah. night. Uh, Pittsburgh, who I think for one of the first times in franchise history, won all three games in California. And let's face it, the Penguins have struggled. Um, they they took the game to overtime. Uh, it looked like Rust had scored. Uh, they were offside, and in fact, it was Brian Rust who was offside. So they brought the teams back. They had to start overtime again, and about 14 seconds later, he does a wraparound and scores. So he had to score twice in overtime. I've never seen that in my life. Uh, I've never seen as, somebody score two goals. As a, yeah, two like goals that. in overtime. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. And then he did the famous, he got out about halfway up to the face-off circle and he turned and pointed to the net like it's a goal, like he was a referee, like Austin Matthews did a few years back. It was really kind of cool. In a way, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the waiting in an overtime situation for something that's offside. It's the rule. You have to live by it. Uh, it, it does make the game clunky, but for it to work out like that, like that that's a story across our league uh, yes. as as the way it turned out the visual uh the the statistic and the way that Brian Russ played along with it was was wonderful and made a late night game on a Thursday night uh, mm. a talking point today and I and Pittsburgh they were in trouble going out in that road trip they were 3 and 6 
And there were some question marks about where that team was going and uh, the changes that they made and were, did they overestimate how good they were? They're back to 500. And that that's pretty in, in a pretty big accomplishment, especially the way LA's playing. Well, well, and, and look, we all thought LA who went into Vegas and won, you know, they were on a long road trip. They've had a great record on the road. Now they have to learn how to win at home, mm-hmm. which is kind of ironic in, in, in so many ways. But tough Pittsburgh went to San- coming over, up the road and then a back to back. Yeah. There's been a tough schedule for a lot of those teams when, when you think about it. About you know, going, you know, I mean, look at look at Vancouver and Ottawa played last night in, in Ottawa. And Vancouver's sitting in Ottawa Wednesday night. You know, they're out for dinner. You know, they're they're sitting in the Chateau Laurier having a you know a, a nice glass of cab. Uh, and the Senators are fighting their way through a victory in Toronto and get home, and then they have to play at home. I mean, the schedule, the fact that it's seven days a week, you know, for 182 days, um, the schedule sometimes is unfair to teams when you when you think you need a break. And that was that to me was one of them. Well, there, there was another scenario. The Chateau Laurier last night. Uh, we were, we, oh, yeah, somehow that came up. I don't know. Are you going to take her to the Chateau Laurier? No, you know what it came from? It came from the White House visit and, and why people uh, are so enamored with the White House in the United States, which good reason. But uh, we, we kind of undersell Parliament Hill because the... Hey, oh, and now hold on. There. Have, have, have the Knights been there yet? They go on Monday. Are you going? No. No. Oh. No. Why? I guess you're not, you're not a part Biden of Biden tr- and I. <laughs> Mr. Biden to you. President Biden. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I, I will Biden. say this: I've been gone going down a West Wing rabbit hole the last few days uh, because of my love of the White House and and that area. Oh, really? I, I would love to go to the White House just because of my fascination of the West Wing show and President Bartlett. I think you'll be disappointed in the West Wing itself. Really? Have you you been? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and and the West Wing is it, like it's the working part of the building. Yeah. Uh, it's not the Oval, the Oval Office. It's not the residence. No, but it, 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 the West Wing is cubicles <laughs> and offices. <laughs> so you know our buddy uh, Nate Ewell, uh, Vice President Communications sure. Content. Yeah, you, you, you the was Wing. with the was with the Washington Capitals right. for a long time. He's he's my boss, and he he everything has to be submitted. Uh, I don't hope I'm not saying this out of turn, but uh, when you go there, like Mark Stone's going to speak. Uh, the captain always speaks. So they, they've done some notes. Mark's talked to Nate, Nate's talked to Mark, and they've gone through it, uh, getting some some jokes and, and things like that uh, lined up. And Nate, during lunch yesterday, said, you know what? This I've had meetings at the White House this week. I'm writing speeches, jokes for the, the White House visit. Does that make me a White House speechwriter? Yeah, it, it does. No. No. no, no, no. And no. then I said, you're basically, Nate, you're Rob Lowe from the West Wing, who is the <laughs> speechwriter. <laughs> now, you got to you gotta be, you can make sure you're with which Rob Lowe time of life, but <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he's he, my buddy Nate is is Rob Lowe. Uh, my favorite uh, White House movie is American President. Oh, that was a good one too, American- yeah. American president and and the speechwriter is uh, Michael J. Fox. Yes, <laughs> in, that's in that right. movies. So you could tell Nate. Forget about Rob Lowe. You're Michael J. Fox. Michael, I think I Nate will. looks a little more. He looks a little more like Michael J. Fox than he did uh, uh, Rob Lowe. So that's not a knock at Nate, but that's just a reality. That's a compliment look, to Rob Lowe, though. <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, but I stopped complimenting Rob Lowe about two minutes after Youngblood. So, <laughs> how do they get the frozen ice? How do they keep the ice cold in that barn in Youngblood? I never understood. Oh, I, 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 I remember, you know, we did uh, my one of my last years at Hockey Night when I was executive producer. We did a three-on-three tournament. Um, uh, oh, we, Masoka, uh, Fort Carling. No, we did it in Huntsville. Okay, we did it in Huntsville, and um, it was thirty-seven degrees Celsius every day. It was 105. It was unbelievably hot for three days. And how we kept the ice in the old Huntsville Arena even close to usable was scary because we were running these 15-minute hockey games, about six of them every uh, in the morning, six in the afternoon, in order to get uh, 
uh, a tournament that we would tape and edit and record and then produce a winner uh, on the se- in the uh, first intermission of the of game two of the doubleheader on Hockey Night in Canada. The uh, it was the Labatt Blue three on three. It was Labatt Blue three on three. Labatt Blue Pond Hockey. I think what what was called that. It was great. It, it was great. The, the the best the best story out of it was um, we decided to do this thing and we got all summer to plan it and somebody says I think it was me said okay what are the guys wearing. Oh, you said, what do you jerseys, mean? Sweaters. We didn't have sweaters. So, so next thing you know, I'm trying to figure out who would have a lot of sweaters of different teams, and they couldn't be NHL-based sweaters because you didn't want a player who wasn't with that team yes. wearing yeah. that sweater. So yeah. I phoned a friend. I phoned a friend of mine at Nike, and I said, uh, "How many different nations play hockey that you do sweaters with?" He says, "54." I said, I need, I, I need 10 batches of sweaters. I need a goalie sweaters, which are obviously bigger. And I, I need five other sweaters of each team. So, you know, in essence, I need a, about 85 sweaters in total in, te- in 10 different color schemes. <laughs> and Without the logo on the them, front. And I need socks. I need all this stuff and I need, I need shells for pants. I need the whole thing. And Nike, Nike, the boys at Nike came through. Uh, Oh no. And they all had, no, they all had to have the hockey night in Canada logo on the front. Wow. Oh, so they all had on the front, the big crest on the front, right? Yeah. 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 But names and numbers and everything like that, but, but hockey night in Canada on the front. So, uh, and they had the Nike swoosh in the corner. So this this is actually I I haven't told this story in ages. So we're we get everything planned and now we're ten days out and, and uh, it's a Friday night and the phone rings and it's Steve Solomon who is he's the Bill Daly of his time, number two guy at the National Hockey League and I'm out I'm at my barbecue I'm barbecuing I'm cooking away and he and Steve says uh, John uh, y'all set for the tournament the three on three we're gonna come up and watch for a day I said yeah sure are he says we've got a problem though. What's that? He says, uh, our friends at CCM and Reebok have gotten word uh, that you're using Nike sweaters. I said, yep, we are. Because Reebok and CCM couldn't provide them. So I said, he said, well, you, you're not allowed to use the players uh, unless you cover the Nike swoosh. This is 10 days before the tournament starts. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I said Steve, come on. Everybody got the first right. I've been through the Olympics and the rules of the Olympics and logos and all this stuff. If yeah. they can't provide, I you have the right to go outside of the, you know, the preferred providers. He says, we know, but, you know, this is a touchy issue for us. We're in the middle of a sweater negotiation uh, uh, with our with, with suppliers. Can you cover the swoosh? I said, oh, another headache. Another headache for me. So the answer was, we had, and if you watch the shows, I think they're somewhere on YouTube. There, and we had we had to hire a seamstress to come in to Huntsville for the day, and she put a Labatt logo on the corner over every swoosh on every sweater. Now I happen to have a set of sweaters from the pond hockey in my collection, and they don't have the Labatt logo. They still have the Nike swoosh. So. Really? Yeah. So anyway, that was, there was, there was all in those days, Darren, there was always something. There was always something. I can't believe that they found out about it and, and raised the. Oh, it's the a small, this was before Twitter too. Gosh. <laughs> Who's your buddy at Nike? Uh, John Pickett oh. was my first contact, but uh, Kent was there, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but all the guys, all the guys, cause we all, we, we had done seven or eight Olympics with them, right? We had all worked together at the Olympics. That was like, I don't know if <laughs> Nagano, Japan, Nagano, Japan, they go over with hundreds of extra Cana- Canadian hockey sweaters because they think they're going to be able to sell them after Canada wins the gold medal, right? And have the oh, guys sign them, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Canada gets eliminated uh, in, the, uh, in the semifinal. The Nike boys come to me and say, John, we got 100 sweaters. What, can you help us get rid of them? I says I'll sell them all. We sold our whole. We sold them to our CBC crew. 
Really? The CBC crew, we, we bought, we bought every one. <laughs> it's one of my favorite uh, editions of the Canadian sweater was that Nagano 1998 yeah, one. Yeah. I love that. Sweater. Anyway, anyway, that's a, that's a, we, we were we were going to talk about the whole. We didn't even talk about the Edmonton Oilers, because heck, by the time like, this gets gonna, on the air, what are you going to say? Sense. What are you going to uh, say? I, I, the answer is you can't say anything because I think people are so stunned it's happening. Yeah, I think they're in shock. So, but our uh, we've got a guest coming up after the break. Matt Tompkins. He played the Olympics. Uh, good. He played the Olympics. He's also from Edmonton, so that's kind of cool. And he won his first NHL game for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Matt Tompkins is going to join us. Darren and me on the McLeod Podcast after this break. Welcome back to the McLeod Podcast. John Shannon, Darren Millard, joined now by Matt Tompkins. If that name isn't familiar to you, uh, it's a familiar to some of us. I, w- I worked, I was close in, closely involved in the Olympics in Beijing uh, with Canada's hockey coverage. Matt was the starting goaltender in the end for the team in Beijing was drafted in 2012 by the Chicago Blackhawks in the seventh round. And 4,147 days later, Matt, you won your first game in the National Hockey League in Montreal, of all places. Welcome and congratulations. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I love Tell that us. smile as, as John, yeah. John's talk, giving the the bio and then brings up the, the win. The, the smile just uh, appears. Uh, you still floating on cloud nine from that? Yeah, it's just, it's just crazy to hear it out loud. You know how long it is it, it had been since uh, being drafted in, in day form. I mean, obviously, it feels like a long time ago and has been. But uh, when you hear it out loud like that, it's it's pretty crazy. You phone anybody right after the game? Yeah, I had a lot of incoming texts and calls from family, friends, everyone alike. So that was cool just to see the uh, all the support from everyone. So made the night uh, really memorable for sure. So you 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 know you 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 played in uh, in the CCHA. You had a great career at Ohio State. Uh, you've been to Europe and made an impact uh, in the Swedish Elite League. Uh, did you ever think your NHL time was going to come? And how how did you keep positive about trying to get to the NHL? Yeah, two parts to that. Obviously, uh, I always felt like I could play. I always felt like I had the ability and I was confident in my game and, and knew that if I ever got the chance that I, I could play and, and have an impact and, um, you know, perform well. Um, but obviously, there was some long years uh, in the minors and ended up overseas for a couple of years. So certainly a lot of days where, where that dream felt like a long shot and, um, you know, just kind of stuck with the path and trusted the process as much as I could and, and tried to just stay enthusiastic through the whole thing. And, um, you know, being over in Europe the last couple of years, I, I really, it made me realize how much that, that fire was in me to want to play in the NHL. So I was really excited that there was an opportunity to come back to North America. And then obviously, you know, right out of training camp here, I've had, had the chance to play a few games. So it's been amazing. What reignited the fire uh, overseas? I think just once I was kind of out of that, uh, out of the mix in North America, I, I really missed kind of that chase and that drive that I had while I was playing here in the American League and, and really, you know, pursuing that dream of playing in the NHL. And obviously, I really enjoyed my time over in Europe. It was a great couple of years and um, uh, it was the best thing for my game in the long run. I think it was amazing to get the chance to play a lot of games and be the guy there and really develop my game. Um, but yeah, certainly... Yeah, I felt like it was a long way away to come back to North America, but uh, that that fire grew bigger than it ever was while I was over there. So I was really excited to have the chance to come back. How would you describe your style? I like to play like calm and efficiently as possible and uh, just keep it simple, really. Um, I know I can be athletic at times and and use those, uh, you know, athletic type saves if I need to, but I try and stay as structured and, and calm as possible and just kind of let pucks hit me. How has it changed from when you were drafted then? I'm, I'm just curious along this journey. Yeah, I think my games, it's changed so much. It's been so funny, uh, you know, seeing a lot of old footage that's been brought back up from, you know, college days and all that, and even early pro days and almost unrecognizable. But uh, I think it's just been, such a great journey to have the opportunity to work with so many different goalie coaches who have all, you know, 
offered me so much advice and input and, and really helped shape my game. So uh, I feel better now than I ever have about it. And, and every year I feel like I just kind of keep adding more tools to it. And um, yeah, but, but it's been crazy to just see the, the journey that it's, it's gone on. What's the biggest ad that you've made to your game? I think just like trusting my game and, and being calm and, and collected and just kind of really just patient. And that's been a big focus for me this year, coming back to North America and trying to adjust uh, to the NHL speed and pace and with all the skills. So um, I would say it's one of my biggest attributes for sure is, is my patience and, you know, the efficiency that comes with that. Does that come with uh, playing or does that come with getting older? A little bit of both. I, I think, of course, you know, the more you play, the, the more confident you can feel in your game and, and really just, just trust it. Um, but of course, as you get older, you, you start to, read the game a little bit better and, and have that experience under your belt and really know what's important and, and what to watch for. So uh, obviously throughout the years, I've seen so many different goalies play and had the opportunity to play alongside so many different guys and seen a ton of styles and, and just been able to uh, really just talk shop with so many different guys, goalies and coaches and, and really take what I felt was important to add to my game and, and help shape it. I'm more patient think because it, I, I can't well, move. That, that's yeah. the reason why I'm yeah. might get more patient. Just, just slower. Yeah. Well, you're just you're just old now. Yeah, that's that's the only reason. <laughs> so so I, I'm just I'm curious that um, you know you were in that Chicago organization at a time when they were winning Stanley Cups. So and yet in, in many ways, Corey Crawford was there for a while. Um, you were. Was there a time where you thought you were never going to get a chance, obviously, in Chicago? Or did you ever wonder and say, hold on, now, Mr. Bowman, I, I, I can play for you. And would you? And how, how aggressive would you get in your discussions with, with the Blackhawks? Yeah, two sides to that. Uh, I felt early on maybe my game needed some time to develop. Of course, I, I spent my first two years primarily in the East Coast League, which, which was great. I mean, I think it's good for young goalies to be able to play a lot of games. Um, but the other side of that was I couldn't actually play in the NHL because I didn't have an NHL contract. So that didn't come until uh, near the end of my third year. So that was about the time that I, I felt like, you know, maybe there was a chance of, of kind of climbing the depth chart and, and being able to make an impact one day. Um, you know, it, it was just really a, a slow burn. I felt like I was really making progress every year that I was there and, and felt like I was getting a lot better and maybe uh, opening up some eyes as far as, a future with them and, and what they thought, but um, it's just, it's so challenging as a goalie. There's so many different guys that are coming in the mix and so many moving parts as far as free agents and, and new prospects and, and guys kind of getting thrown into that. So uh, that was certainly the case in Chicago. I, I felt like as much as I was getting better, I, I wasn't able to climb the depth chart enough to, to really be in contention for, for a job there. What was Beijing like? It was an amazing experience. Yeah, it was uh, obviously high stress with all the uh, all the rules and regulations and, and COVID over there. I think that's no secret, but um, an amazing experience start to finish. Obviously, to to get the call to represent your country is something that, uh, you know, everybody dreams of. And uh, being able to, to go to the Olympics, say I'm an Olympian and, and uh, have that experience is uh, unbelievable and one of the, the best memories of my hockey career, for sure. But respectfully, hold on, respectfully, there were a lot of people that were saying as the game started and you started to play, who's this Matt Tompkins guy? And yet you, and so you were probably getting texts from people saying, who the heck are you? What are you doing? You know, you're finally, you're, you're finally fulfilling something that you thought as a 15 and 16 year old in suburban Edmonton that you could play in the national hockey. They can play, play in the Olympics, man. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of people that didn't even know I was on the team until they saw my name pop up on TV or something. But um, <laughs> no, it, it was crazy just the way it all kind of shaped up. I mean, um, the NHL was, of course, in contention of potentially going still. And then they had to pull an audible there last second and, and put together a group. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd been playing well over in Sweden at the time. Wasn't sure if I'd maybe be in the mix. And uh, my name got thrown in the hat and was... First of all, just thrilled to be picked and then, uh, of course, wanted to play and didn't play the first couple games and then took over the net after that. So a uh, really exciting opportunity for me. I think it was a, a great 
uh, you know, feather in my cap as far as my hockey career is concerned. And, and certainly I think helped open a lot of eyes as to my ability and, and you know, the potential I had of going forward and, and what I could do. You're of an age where you kind of grew up on NHLers at the Olympics. What's, what's your earliest Olympic hockey memory? And then I want you to tell me, did you ever think you'd be in that player's shoes or those shoes? First memories for sure, Salt Lake in 2004. Uh, I can vividly <laughs> Two. remember. 2002. 2002. 2002. Sorry, 2002. You're right. And uh, vividly remember watching on TV, obviously, super young at the time, but it, it still sticks out in my mind. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy to, to think of the experience that I had and, and to be able to put on that jersey and how special that was and, and how rewarding that feeling is to you know, represent your country. And then um, most importantly, to look back at the names who have done it in the past and, and, you know, be in that company is just, it's incredible. So uh, really just uh, truly grateful for the opportunity. And, and it was an amazing experience. So does that mean you're a Brodeur guy or who was who your, uh, who was the guy you were trying to be when you were out in the, in the driveway? In the driveway was Patrick Waugh. So he was actually the, the reason I became a goalie in the first place. Uh, funny enough, he was my favorite hockey player, even though I was a defenseman at the time. So, um, not oh. sure why that was, but, uh, that's, that's why I made the switch to goalie. And, um, how old was, were you? Was, I think I was about 10 years old. So I, that's I late. Played, yeah. So I, I played well my first year. I ended up playing in that team brick tournament for team brick in Edmonton there. So, um, I, I was pretty <laughs> good at it pretty early on. So I guess I never really looked back. Hold on. Your first year playing goal, you made the brick team. Yeah, that's true. That's an overachiever. <laughs> wow, that yeah, that's incredible. It, it the out. amount of attention on that thing. Yeah, so that that was cool. Um, and then obviously tying it to the Olympics as well. Uh, my goalie par partner was Emerson Smashmeyer, who was representing right. the women's team in uh, Beijing as well. So that was that was cool to see our our hockey journeys collide again. <laughs> What's the conversation <laughs> around uh, at home? Uh, as far as just, uh, talking about goaltending, do you take it home? Oh yeah, a little bit. I mean, um, I try and leave as much as I can at the rink, but naturally it, it comes with you and, um, seems to always come up in, in some fashion or another, whenever I talk to my family and friends, I think it's, uh, you know, they're all from Western Canada. So they're all big hockey fans themselves and have followed the NHL forever. So. Uh, pretty hard not to come up and and obviously now for me to be in this situation they're they're so excited to you know hear all about it and what it's like and, oh, yeah. and you know how the experience has been for me so um yeah i would say hockey is pretty much all all that is talked about now that i say it i gotta tell you matt i i have i hadn't met you till today and as i said i was I worked heavily at the beijing olympics uh, on the uh, on the cbc's coverage um, so the moment halfway through the second period in Montreal that, holy smokes, they're up for nothing. Matt, is that the same Matt Tompkins? Yes, it is. There was no question. I was glued to the television. Uh, and, uh, you know, Darren and I both know John Cooper well. And uh, between what John Cooper means to many people and what you did there, the thing that bothered me more than anything, Matt, was it. If I had won my first game in the National Hockey League, I don't think that uh, you, you would have had to peel me off the roof of the building. And you know, <laughs> all you did was you just stood there. You don't even do a, much of a celebration. You just took the guys and smiled behind your mask and got off the ice. What yeah, is that? It, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> obviously so much emotion comes to you at the time and, and you're uh, thrilled and ecstatic and, and everything to get the first win. Um, but it was such a big game for our team. I mean, we were just coming off a tough loss the night before and, and the guys were thrilled and it was just, it was great to share that with them. And I, I didn't, I didn't want it to be about me, you know, it was a great team win and, and um, you know, as much as it was a, a milestone in, in my career, uh, it was a great, great team win. So I, I didn't, you know, I don't want the attention on me on a night like that when uh, all the guys deserve a lot of credit. Forget that. Forget <laughs> I know John, John's a <laughs> guy. Come on. <laughs> you brought out a different side of John here. I, I love this, Matt. No, yeah, and, and, well, you know, here's the thing. You know, my, my, my son 
changed from being a skater to a goalie at 10. And I actually think it helped him because he, he knew where the puck was going and he learned the right. flow of the puck. And so he could predict things on the ice, but he never got to the national hockey league. <laughs> you know, he was happy to get to double a, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but, but, but I, so it, I, being the father of a goaltender, when, when you, when you have milestones, you got to celebrate the milestones. And that is something Matt, they will never ever be able to take away from you. That's, That's magical. True. And it, it was, it was amazing after, you know, just to see the excitement and the guys in the room. And um, it was so loud in there, like with how excited all the guys were. So that, that was so cool. And just a night I'll never forget. And, and it was what meant the most to me was just how genuine everybody was in their congratulations and, and how happy they were for me. And uh, I, I think at times, you know, the guys wanted to win more than I did just as far as, being able to share that with me so i i mean they made it so special and and made it just unbelievable for me and um yeah it's just incredible really what are your expectations going forward we know vasi's practicing a little bit and uh yeah that that will make it uh, a three goaltender situation so what what have they told you what are you thinking yeah i haven't been, been told anything obviously i'm my focus now is just trying to be day to day, which has really been the focus the whole time. Of course, um, as soon as he got hurt, I, I felt like I wasn't owed anything. I was never promised anything. I felt like I certainly had to earn the job out of camp and um, had a great camp and, and really just focused on being one day at a time and, and really taking advantage of each and every day. And uh was fortunate to you know be a guy that they, they could trust for the first couple months here until Vazzy was back and uh going forward I'm not sure what's in store to be honest with you I'm, I'm really just uh trying to stay in the moment as much as I can as cliche as that sounds I mean it, it's really mm. what's helped me get to this point is just being day by day and, and I don't want to change anything going forward and start worrying about uh, uncontrollables I think it's just you know great for me to you know, keep things in perspective and, and uh, approach every day, like, um, you know, to make the most of it, really. Before we let you go, um, what would 29-year-old Matt Tompkins tell 18-year-old drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks, Matt Tompkins, right now? Stick with it and enjoy the process. It's uh, It's been a long, long road. Uh, it's been a very enjoyable one. It's been a very challenging one. Um, but it's been all that more rewarding in the end. And, you know, of course, all those days in the minors and when you never think it's going to happen and, and you're wondering what you're doing and if it's the right thing for you, um, just keep working as hard as you can to put yourself in the best position possible so that you know, when that chance does come, you're ready and uh, you'll enjoy it all that much more. So uh, it's been an amazing journey, an amazing ride. And, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I really, I appreciate every day that I get to be an NHL player and, and put on that Jersey. And uh, it's a privilege and an honor to be in this league and, and amongst the best in the world. So um, it's been amazing. Had you ever prepared yourself for the possibility that it wouldn't happen? That's a tough question. I, I think naturally when, when you're in the minors and, and you feel so far from it, you, you may be, uh, accept a little bit that that it may not happen but for me I always knew that I could and and I always knew I had the ability and my game was good enough to be an NHL goalie it was just a matter of time and I'm certainly happy that I I took the time for for the process to work itself out and um, you know I really think that was the difference maker that maybe uh, if I didn't have that mindset I wouldn't have made it to, to 29 years old as a professional hockey player and, and I would have Packed it in maybe a, a few years before. So I'm happy I stuck it out and it's been amazing. Let, let's face it though, Matt, you could have had a real job. Why I could have had a real I... job and, and maybe one day I will, but for now it's, uh, it's an NHL <laughs> no, hockey no. goalie. So I'll take that you one. Don't do not do that. Trust me. Do not get <laughs> no. a real job. All right. No. I don't have a real job either. And, and I have no interest in it and you've got a better fake job than I got. So stick with it. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. That's Listen, uh, we are uh, we are thrilled for you. We're happy you came on and talked to us about it. Um, and let's chalk up a few more victories for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Absolutely. That's the plan. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Matt Tompkins.
number one win in the National Hockey League for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Back after this. Well, there ends goalie week on the McCallum podcast. It, but I tell you what, it wasn't supposed to be all goalie week. It was supposed to be Pang on Monday, Vernon on Tuesday, Healy on Wednesday. And then Matt Tompkins goes and screws it up. And we have to do another goalie on Friday because he goes and wins his first game in the National Hockey League. Just you're learning a new save selection as you go along mid-season. No. That's what you, you did have there. To. You you threw in the RVH along with the BH and the Panda oh, oh. save save selection. The Panda is when you come and you slide over to the post and you rub your butt against the post to give yourself uh, confidence that you're you're cut, cutting off the short side. You'd be great at the Panda, scratching your butt against the post. What are you talking about? Seriously, <laughs> I just, I just love you? listening. I just love thinking of you scratching your butt against the post. <laughs> oh my god. You know, I, you know, and I, when I used to take, you know, go down and cut a piece of foam and be in the backyard and you know, make some great days like George Gardner, Vancouver yeah. Canucks, you know, was pretty good. Now, the fact I couldn't skate, that was another problem, the whole system. That's okay. But that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. nothing wrong with that. It was, I still loved being goalie. I always wanted to be goalie. As I said, my son was a goalie and I only hired goalies, so... John, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm past 50. There's nothing better than when I get ice. To this really, huh? day, there's nothing yeah. better than getting on the ice. It's awesome. I've and, never played and, in a position. And make a save, right? You have to make the save, right? Yeah. yeah How come sometimes we, I'm, now, hold on. I'm ticked off at you. What? We never asked you. Uh, you never asked Matt about an ask. That's your job. No, I didn't. I didn't. That, that's true. But it's. It, yeah, that's true. I never, it never oh, even crossed man. my mind. It was such a good conversation. Uh, I was so enveloped by him. It never yeah. crossed my mind. Maybe you're rubbing. Maybe you're starting to to really influence me by getting me off that bandwagon. I don't think so. You've never listened no. to me in your life. So, anyway, thanks for a great week. Thank you. This has been awesome. Goalie week, Macau podcast. We'll do other things next. <laughs> See you then. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.